1: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. Let's stand to our feet and find 2 Timothy chapter number four. We're going to finish Timothy tonight uh, by the Lord's grace. 2 Timothy chapter number four. 2 Timothy chapter number four And I'd encourage every child here to grab some pen and paper and be writing down the notes. They come up on the screen, so write those down. I'll see you right afterwards for Pastors Pals. Uh, Give attention. The Lord will uh, speak to your heart as a little child as well. We're finding 2 Timothy chapter number 4 and verse number 14. Remember, we finished up uh, as Paul uh, requested some things from Timothy. Bring, uh, Bring the cloak, bring the books, bring the parchments, especially the parchments. And then verse number 14, he goes on to continue to share his heart with Timothy, his son in the faith. He says, Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. That doesn't sound very good. The Lord reward him according to his works of whom be thou where also for he hath greatly withstood Our words at my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge notwithstanding The Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. Don't you like that confidence there? Every evil work. And will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. And God's people said... Amen. Salute Prisca and Aquila, that's Priscilla and Aquila, and uh, the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, abode at Corinth, Uh, uh, Trifemus, have I left at Miletum, sick, do thy diligence to come before winter, Uh, uh, Eubulus, greeteth thee, Pudens, uh, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren, the Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit. Grace be with you, and all God's people said, amen. Father, guide us as we study this your uh, your word tonight, these final words from the Apostle Paul. Give us instruction that would help us, Lord, and I I just pray that as we consider even the people that we uh, have on our prospect list tonight, God, make us fruitful for you. You told us in John 15 that if we would abide in you, and uh, and, I... I and you, that that we would bring forth much fruit. And Lord, it is your will that we bring forth fruit. You know, you've told us to be faithful, and I pray that we'd be faithful to spread the seed. But allow us, Lord, to, to see fruit, the fruit of souls, not just the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, but the fruit of souls. And so help us, Lord, we pray. And I pray that these words tonight would be an encouragement to our hearts on toward that end, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. And let's be seated. Thank you for standing. So Paul was understandably in a pretty rough place, right? He's in the Mamertine prison... And I have a picture of that for you tonight. Uh, again, he's in this, in this cave in the, uh, in the ground there in Rome beside the river. The climate is damp. He's asked for a cloak. Why? Because he, uh, he's, uh, it's chilly. They're fed through a hole in the ground there. This is not a, uh, a place that uh, they put, uh, put you uh, for doing uh, nice things. This is where they put criminals. And Paul was labeled as a criminal for being a preacher of the gospel, and he was not uh, not liked, and he had appealed to Caesar to Nero, and so that's why he's here in Rome. He is there awaiting trial. He's there awaiting uh, to stand before Caesar. Really, what had been a, a goal of his, a hope of his, to be preaching the gospel in Rome. He got an all expenses paid uh, all expenses paid trip to Rome uh, by the Rome. Meant to stand before, um, before Nero, and uh, there he would be able to preach um, the gospel. And so he, in this moment, has much reason, if he were you or I, had much reason to, to complain and to, uh, to, to just get focused on himself, to focus in and to maybe even have a little bit of a, a pity party and just to see, you know, woe is me, I've tried to serve the Lord. Have you ever said something like this? I've served you, I've done the right things, and, and this is what I get in return. Have you ever said anything like that? You're not going to admit it. All right, uh, no matter, uh, you, know, you know, in our hearts sometimes we think, well, I'm doing the right thing, why is this happening? Paul could very well, in this prison cell, in this cave, in this dungeon, have really gotten, uh, you know, locked on that, 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 rat, um, that rat race of a wheel, you know, just kind of going over and over in his mind, thinking, you know, I've served the Lord, but I've given him my whole life, I've sacrificed everything, and this is where I end up. Yet in this moment, he really was focused on the Lord. And that's what I want us to see tonight. He was focused on the Lord, and he, w- he was focused on his Lord. And the, the Lord was personal to him. And this wasn't something that was just theoretical to him or doctrinal or theological to him. The Lord was personal to him. In the last moments of his life, in the last days of his life, he is leaning heavy on the Lord, which tells me, listen, friends, uh, he, he had a personal relationship with the Lord. He had a relationship with the Lord that gave him strength, Through this time. So Paul mentions in the um, verses that we just read, he mentions the Lord four times. And he mentions three times things that he leaned on the Lord for. And he mentions one time something that he wanted the Lord to do for Timothy and for other believers that would read this. And so four times he mentions the Lord, and he mentions him as the one who exercises uh, a, a supernatural authority. The one who is over... Mankind the one who has all authority. He doesn't have to go to somebody else to ask ask permission to do something He has all authority. He he needs no one else to exist. He is the Lord. He is the ruler He is the one who commands and Paul says this is the one on whom I am focused in these days This is the one who has my attention in these and these final hours of my life And it is this one that Paul focuses Timothy on now Paul could have focused Timothy on himself. Uh, Timothy, I, I think you should feel bad for me. Uh, we've, we've traveled together and you should feel bad for me. I, I, I'm a victim in this situation and the world loves to, uh, loves to be a victim. The world loves to be labeled. And, you know, I, I'm suffering, I'm a martyr. And, and, and The world loves that. Paul didn't do that. He didn't victimize himself in front of Timothy. He focused Timothy on the Lord. Notice what he says in, in verses 14 through 15. He says, Timothy, listen, the Lord is my judge. The Lord is my judge. How does he say that? He brings up this Alexander guy. And this Alexander guy was a, was a, black, a blacksmith or a coppersmith. He, was a, he, he worked with metal, specifically copper. And he was a man who, who had, had come up against Paul in the ministry uh, there in the area. He had come up against Paul in a very evil way. And he says here that he did me much evil. The idea of, of did is he, he pointed out something about Paul. And many believe that he actually, uh, around the answers, around the hearings, that he was alleging things against Paul. That he was saying things that were not true. That he was, he was uh, saying things that were morally wrong about, about Paul. And, and so he did much evil in the, in the sense that he might have accused Paul. Now, we don't know for sure in some of that speculation, but uh, the idea from the word did is, is the idea that he was pointing out something. Hey, this Paul, he's that. He's all that. And, and Yeah, what you're saying about him, that's true. So he did much evil against him. Uh, he, he was as a person that betrayed Paul, that, that, that went against Paul. The Bible says that he withstood him with his words. He stood against him. He was opposing him. He was an enemy uh, with his words, and he did him much evil. These were were choices that he made to make these comments or to do these actions against Paul, and the idea of it is that it benefited himself. In some way, he felt that it benefited himself. Let me just just say this for for a moment. Many times when people are slighting you or slandering you, they're doing it to promote themselves. They feel good about themselves. By the way, we need to be careful about that. Because sometimes as Christians, we can, we can say something bad about another Christian that we don't really agree with in order to be the most spiritual one. You follow what I'm saying? You follow what I'm saying? Sometimes we can downplay somebody else in their relationship with the Lord. Do you know that every one of us compared to the Lord needs to grow? So sometimes we can downplay somebody else in order to feel better about ourselves. That can happen right inside the the context of a church, right inside of Grace Baptist Church. We can do that to one another. No, we shouldn't do that. And that wasn't wasn't what Alexander was doing far worse, but I'm just saying that he did what he did to Paul in order to feel good about himself for his own purposes. It helped him, or so he thought. Slandering and gossip and all those things never help us. It brings hurt and poison into our own souls. You all agree with that? It certainly does. And so here is this Alexander guy, and and Paul brings him up. But do you notice what Paul immediately does in in the verses here? He he says in in verse number 14, The Lord reward him according to his works. Say that out loud with me. The Lord uh, reward him according to his works. And so immediately he's moving over to this. Alexander did this. But the Lord reward him according to his works according to his deeds the lord reward him the lord recompense him and i'm just reminded that paul could have stayed focused here's the hurt he did to me no that's not where paul stayed focused he focused on the lord the lord is the judge i'm going to give this off to the lord the lord can take care of this one he can be dealt with by the lord romans 12 and verse 19 dearly beloved avenge not yourselves but rather give place under wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay saith the lord And so God is the one that can vindicate himself, but also his servants. And God has a way of doing that. So we must be very, very careful not to take God's job on ourselves. Paul did not. In this moment, he's saying, here, you need to be aware, Timothy, of this man named Alexander, because Alexander's probably going to go on continuing to do this type of stuff. But I want you to know that the Lord... May the Lord reward him according to his works. And he acknowledged that God was judge. We struggle with this sometimes because we think we can bring justice better than God can bring justice to a situation. But we fail to remember in those moments that God is the judge of all the earth and just and right is he. He is a just judge. He is the owner of justice. And so it's so easy in our hearts We hold on to that, and ultimately, that's what what unforgiveness is. We hold on to that because we think we can judge that person better. We can bring justice into that situation better. It won't. It'll hurt us. It'll hurt our heart. And so we have to let that go and just simply say, God, would you take care of this? I give this over to you. You're the judge. I give this over to you. I was challenged recently in just reflecting on Matthew 5, and verse number 44. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Now, note this. If you're taking notes tonight, this would be a good thing to write down. I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you. Four things love them. Wow, that's hard. Love them. What does that mean? Huh, I'm going to, at the very least, I'm going to pray that I can get the gospel to them, that I, I, I can bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I love them. Not because of what they've done for me, but because Jesus loves them too. I love them. I'm going to bless them. The Bible talks about heaping coals of fire on a person's head, not literally, but the idea of blessing them in, in, such, a, in, in such a way with, with a kind act that it, to them it is a conviction of conscience. Why? Why would you do that for me when I've been mean to you, when I've hurt you? but blessing our enemies, helping them, encouraging them, even though they may not deserve, deserve it. Do good to them that hate you. Well, that's, that's anti-human. That's against our human, our human mindset. Do good to them that hate us. Yes, God says as believers we're to do good. And the Beatitudes, remember, the Beatitudes are the constitution for the kingdom of God. One day, it'll be, the, it'll be kind of the rule set for what governs God, uh, uh, Christ's oversight or his rulership in the, in the millennium. But right now, this is what is governing the, the kingdom of God in our hearts. He wants this to be how his followers uh, live out their lives so we're to do good to them that hate us and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. So pray four things love bless do good and pray four things and it's hard to stay mad at somebody and it's hard to stay uh uh, you know uh out of whack towards somebody when we're doing those things that god told us to do god is just he can handle it and how important it is for us to do that now i do want to note this it was wise of paul and god thought so enough to put it in scripture that he would alert another spiritual leader of a person who was bringing damage to the church of christ and it is wise, and you know, sometimes people will, will do damage to the Church of Christ, and they'll uproot, and they'll go somewhere else and do more damage there. It is wise of a spiritual leader to say, hey, hey, you need to you need to know that there is a problem. This person is traveling from place to place, and they're going to do damage to the believers there. Hey, you need to be aware of that. It was not out of sorts at all for Paul to do that. It's not out of sorts for a pastor to do that. Hey, there's the, there's a problem that is going around, and and, and there's a problem of gossip that this person is bringing with them, and they're... It was wise of Paul to do that. And so the Holy Spirit uh, allows us to see this, this very transparent alerting by the Apostle Paul to another spiritual leader that was coming into town. Alexander wasn't suddenly going to stop maligning and saying things for his own self-esteem's sake against the church and against the, the leader uh, it, he wasn't going to just suddenly stop that just because Timothy was coming into town. Paul says you need to be aware of him as well. And I want to also say this. You know, it, it doesn't matter who we are, spiritually or not, unresolved problems, unresolved problems will always go with us. Unresolved problems will always go with us. So you might, you might come to a point where someone's really wronged you, and you say, you know what, it's time to leave. If you do not resolve that, it will go with you. And then you're going to have somebody else wrong you, and you know what's going to happen? The same things that you felt there are going to come up right here until you deal with it. Until you give it to the Lord and say, the Lord is the judge. You know there are going to be people who wrong you in this assembly. It's going to happen. It, it, it's, it's human reality. It's human reality. People are gonna wrong you in your workplace, right? And they do. It's human reality until you can get to the point, like Paul, who says, Timothy, I'm focused on the Lord. Alexander really hurt me. Yes, that's true. That's a reality. And by the way, beware of him. You don't have to knowingly go get hurt by him. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's not smart. But the Lord is the judge. The Lord is the judge. And so may we let the Lord be the Lord. And he can take care of these problems much better than we can. And we have to submit them to the Lord and say, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. May you be a judge. And, by the, and as we do that, you know what's going to happen in your heart? There's going to become a peace and a rest in your heart when it's given over to God. It doesn't mean the situation was right. And, uh, and by the way, this doesn't mean that if there is a sin that ought to be reported that we, we say, well, just let the Lord be the judge. I, I'm privy to this, but just let the Lord be the judge. No, we're, we're not talking about covering over, over wrongs and, 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 covering for people. You, you understand what I'm saying? But there's sometimes we're, we're more so talking about, here's a hurt that someone has done towards me. Alexander's hurt me. And the Lord be the judge. You know, it's not, it's not right of me. I, you know, there, there's situations as a pastor. I am a, uh, um, a mandatory reporter that's a part of uh, a pastoral responsibility. So if I know that an abuse is happening um, to a child, I, I am a mandatory reporter. And um, I, I will honor that. So I can't just say, well, Lord, you're the judge. And just, you know, I'm gonna, mom's the word, right? There are, there are certain things that need to be dealt with and need to be taken care of and 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 should not be allowed to go on well the lord's the judge you move on to another place and we'll, we'll just call it you know we'll be quiet about it no um so you understand we're not covering for for sin but at the same time we are giving these things over to the lord and so i i, I digress just a little bit um uh, to say that tonight but i think it's important so as we consider paul's just focusing on the lord is his judge but number two notice in verse number 16 At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. There again, we have Paul saying, here's the problem. This is the reality. I went to my first hearing, and all the people that I've ministered to and that I've invested in, they weren't there. Now, I'm telling you, that... That had to hurt the Apostle Paul. He says, uh, "He says they, they all, all men forsook me. No man stood with me. He, no man, and all men. I mean, those are pretty dramatic words that he is saying there. And uh, all that he had invested in. I think of Second Corinthians twelve and verse number fifteen. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved." And there was a reality where Timothy, or that Paul knew what it was to invest in people and not have a return. He invest in people and there, there wasn't a love and return towards him. He says, the, the more I, I love, the less I be loved. There was that, that sense in his heart. And here it was experienced there at his, uh, at his first answer, his first hearing before Nero. He's there alone. No men stood with me. All men forsook me. They left me behind. They they, it seems that Paul's saying that they made a decision not to be there in that moment. And I can think back to the time where, where Peter uh, chose not to go in with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he, he chose to stand, stand afar off, a, a deliberate decision not to go with. And, and a lot of that, uh, you can understand, this is Nero. He lights Christians on fire in his garden to, to, um, to light the garden. That's the type of emperor that he was. I mean, this man was a cruel and wicked man. Well, uh, Rome burned, he, he played, uh, he played uh, the music and, and partied around while Rome burned in a massive fire. And then he blamed the Christians. I mean, this is a, this is a wicked, wicked man. And Paul is standing before this man. No man stood with him. You can understand, you might not have wanted to stood with the Apostle Paul unless your head came off in that very standing. I mean, you can understand there's some fear, but Paul's in this very, very difficult moment, and no man is with him there. And I'm reminded that oftentimes the greatest discouragements in our lives in serving the Lord Jesus Christ will strike at the moment of great opportunity. Paul had been set up for this opportunity. He had been longing for the opportunity to be there in Rome and to preach the gospel in Caesar's house. And now he's there and what happens? He loses his, uh, his human support. They're not there with him and he's there all alone. But you know what? Paul is calm in his heart. What does he say there? I pray God that it not be laid to their charge. God, don't lay this. Don't put this on their account. Don't, don't count this against them. When they stand before you, I pray that this isn't on their, on their, on their, uh, their list, on their, their charge account. I pray that you would forgive them. Paul was at calm in his heart. You can only do that, friends, if you're looking to the Lord. You can only do that if the Lord is the judge. You can only do that if you're able to say with the Apostle Paul, the Lord is my strength. Because notice in verse number 17 what he goes on to say. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me and strengthened me and Paul wasn't focused on himself he wasn't focused on all the the problems of, of people and those that had betrayed him or or had lost courage to be with him he was focused on the Lord the Lord is my strength the only way that he could call out to God and say the Lord would you not lay this to their charge is if his heart was truly I mean not just in words but truly focused on the Lord the Lord is my my strength and so He's focusing on no man, or he brings up no man. No man's there. But then again, just like he did in the previous verses, uh, the Lord, the Lord was there. Alexander, he hurt me, but the Lord is my judge. Uh, no man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. And you see how he's constantly just shifting the focus back to the Lord. This was helpful. Paul is working through some, problem, some real issues of ministry life and it was helpful for timothy to hear this it's helpful for you and i to hear this tonight so notwithstanding the lord stood with me he was present there just like he was for the four hebrew children he was present there this on um, this thought brought the song the old hymn to mind lean on me when you have no strength to stand when you feel that like you're going under hold tighter to my hand lean on me when your heart begins to bleed when you come to the place that i'm all you have you'll find i'm all you need yeah Wow, and that was Paul in that moment. He didn't need someone to stand with him. Would it have been nice? Yeah, but he was able to say after his first hearing, yeah, but notwithstanding, the Lord was there, and I felt his presence. I felt him. How How did he feel his presence? He says, because he strengthened me. He strengthened me. He gave me grace. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my grace is made perfect in in your weakness. It's made complete. Most gladly will I therefore rather glory in mine infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hey, God was there for me. He was there in that moment and I felt the strength. Have you felt that strength before? You're going into a situation where God is leading you through and you don't know how to go through it. You don't know if you're going to have the strength to go through it and you feel the, the arms of the Lord giving you the strength, the, the strength in your emotions and your mind and your spirit to go through with that. Paul's saying, he strengthened me. He bore me up. He, 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 he. is like he, he came under me with his arms and just lifted me up and he gave me courage in that moment to preach the gospel. Why? Look what he says as he goes on. He says there in verse number uh, 17, that by, my preach, uh, that by me my, uh, the preaching might be fully known. Uh, anytime you see uh, the word that, like in scripture like that, uh, that it, 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 he's explaining. He's given the reason, okay? So he says, here's, here's the purpose. God gave me grace. God gave me strength. He was with me. Why? So that the preaching might be fully known. That through my, my mouth, Through my lips, the preaching might be fully known. It's interesting here. Um, Very interesting statement. He he says that the preaching might be filled up. That it might be accomplished. Uh, God needed his word, the gospel, to go forth in the palace, in the courtroom of Caesar. And God gave... Paul's strength in that moment when all else had failed him when everybody else had walked out on him in that moment God gave him strength to 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 stand up and declare and to fully preach not preach, you know Kind of like well I, I want to tell you and kind of muffled preaching No, was Paul was able to declare and fully fill up the preaching that needed to happen in that place He was able to do it effectively Accomplish it fill it up entirely. He was able to do what God wanted him to do in that moment. Why by the grace of God? And by the way, that's the same way that you're going to be able to fill up your gospel witness this week, by the grace of God, not by your own self-effort. Because you and I don't have it, right? We don't have it, but by the grace of God. So do you see what it said here in verse number 17? And that all the Gentiles might hear. that all the Gentiles might hear. Uh, he had an opportunity here in the court that was unique there was a large a large gathering evidently that he was able to declare and beyond just that courtroom i'm imagining it spread throughout spread spread out and beyond did you hear what happened in the court of caesar today this paul This guy, he he appealed to Caesar, and now he's standing before Caesar. I've never seen such boldness in all my life. He stood up, and he fully preached a message, and he declared. And I don't know what it was on. I don't know if it was in a resolute tone, or if he kind of lifted his voice and heralded it. I don't know what it sounded like. But he fully filled up the, the preaching that needed to happen in that place. And he says that all the Gentiles might hear that these people... Gathered in this place, might hear the declaration of the gospel. That's amazing. One author put it this way: What a throng of distinguished Romans may be included in that simple phrase! All the Gentiles heard the day that day the message of God to mankind. All heard the, um, that Jesus was crucified and that He was exalted and set forth as the Savior. It's an overwhelming thought. The imagination fails to realize such a tremendous uh, the, the 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 tremendous scene. It must have been one of the great moments of history and what may not eternity reveal to us its results. You know what you, you consider on that day, and the Bible does talk about uh, those of Caesar's household beforehand having come to him. I can only imagine those that said, you know what? We believe. But God had him there and strengthened him and gave him the courage to preach at, and fully preach the message on that day. Paul had this in his heart all the way back when he wrote the book of Romans, Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that verse, but 1.15 says, so as much as in me is, I am ready, I'm ready, I'm eager to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome. I want to do this. And what did God do? He gave him the desire of his heart in a way that he never expected. And God paid for it too. God paid for it. And so he's there and gives him the strength on top of it, when he should have been really discouraged to be able to just declare the word of God. Isn't God good, friends? Isn't God good? And we wonder where the strength's going to come from to witness to our neighbor. Now come on. We do. God has enough strength for us to do what we need to do and what he's called us to do. And so let's let's be faithful to him uh, in this in this matter. There's never going to be a back order on the grace of God. There's a back order on seemingly everything right now, right? It just you know everything's delayed there's not a back order on the grace of god you come to the throne of grace uh there is there is no there is no even one day shipping you go to the, uh, the throne of grace hebrews 4 16 he says he gives grace to help in time of need if we'll come boldly and ask for it he will give you grace he'll give you grace there's a song uh he giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater he sendeth more strength when the labors and in, uh, labors increase to added affliction He addeth his mercy to multiplied trials. He multiplies peace. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we've reached the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving has only begun. Fear not that thy need shall exceed his provision. Our God ever yearns his resource to share. Lean hard on the arm everlasting availing. The Father, both thee and thy load, will upbear. The chorus goes like this. His love has no limits. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. That's our God. And Paul experienced that grace on that day. So Paul is focused on, The Lord is my judge, my Lord, my judge, my Lord, my strength. I want Timothy to know that. But notice in verse 18, my Lord is my deliverer. He says two times, hey, the Lord has delivered me. me. I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. What's the mouth of the lion? Out of Nero. So I was delivered. So evidently at his first answer, there was a temporary stay of execution. And he, he was able to live on. And so he was delivered temporarily. And Paul notes that as he gets to verse number 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. What's he saying here? I know that my execution is coming, but God is going to even then deliver me. So he delivered me temporarily here. But Paul was able in that moment, many times we think, well, we want to be physically delivered. Right? Are you with me? We, we seek the physical deliverance. Paul gets right to the fact that he knew that his ultimate deliverance was coming. What was the ultimate deliverance? In verse number 18, he saw heaven and being in the presence of his Savior as the ultimate deliverance. You, can't, you cannot scare off a believer that sees life that way. You cannot shake a believer that sees heaven as their ultimate deliverance. What courage, what confidence comes when heaven becomes everything to us. When being in the presence of the Savior, yes, we might not live on in this life, but being in the presence of the Savior is our ultimate deliverance. He says, yeah, I was delivered temporarily, but I know, I know my Lord is going to deliver me and he's going to bring me safely home. He is going to bring me into his heavenly kingdom and to him, in this, in this moment Paul stops and worships, to him be glory and glory forever and ever. Amen. And he he does so much that he solicits a response from those that would read it. Don't you believe? So be it. Amen. It means so be it. Right? Don't you believe this? Amen. Praise the Lord. So Paul, Paul saw it this way. In fact, as I was thinking about this, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 8, probably written about 11 years before, he says, For we are confident, I say, and willing. Notice, I'm willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What was he saying? I have confidence, and really in all actuality, I'd rather be the Lord. It didn't stop when he got to a few months or a few weeks before his execution. I'd rather be with the Lord. Six years previous, he writes to the Philippians in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that nothing I shall be ashamed, um, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body Uh, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is what? Game. Wow. So here's this man that is unshakable in this last hour of his life. Why? Because he knew that the Lord is his deliverer and the ultimate deliverance is to be with him in heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. E.H. Hamilton, he was a missionary to China, wrote a poem uh, that reflected and commemorated the martyrdom of his fellow missionary, J.W. Vinson. He lived from 1880 to 1931. In October of 1931, Vincent visited some believers 18 miles from the mission statement. The area was overwhelmed by a group of 600 bandits. A young Chinese girl escaped from that situation and recited or related the incident and provided the inspiration for Hamilton's poem. As as Vincent was approached by these bandits, they asked him this question Are you afraid? The bandits asked him. They're menacing and they're waving their gun in front of him. Are you afraid? To which Vincent said, no, he replied with a complete assurance. He says this, if you shoot me, I'll go straight to heaven. They later found his decapitated body. And based on his martyrdom, Hamilton wrote this poem. Maybe you've heard it before. Afraid of what? To feel the spirit's glad release, to pass from pain to perfect peace. The strife and strain of life to see. afraid of that. Afraid of what? Afraid to see the Savior's face, to hear his welcome and to trace the glory gleam from wounds of grace? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? A flash, a crash, a pierced heart, brief darkness, light, oh heaven's art. A wound of his counterpart? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To enter heaven's rest and yet to serve my master blessed from service good to service best? Afraid of that? Afraid of what? To do by death what life could not do? Baptized with blood, a stony plot, till souls shall blossom from the spot? Afraid of that? No. Kill me and I go to heaven. I remember being over in India and, and talking with, uh, with uh, evangelist Ben and he talked about a very similar situation and it was by his boldness in saying, I'm not afraid that the, the, the bandit stepped aside and let him, let him go. And it's amazing the confidence that we have when we know that the Lord is our deliverer. He's our deliverer. Whom shall I fear? What shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Oh, why would I be afraid of what man could do unto me? The Lord is my deliverer. He's my judge, he's my strength, he's my deliverer. But notice, here Timothy, I'm about to leave. I hope you get to me before I die. I, I hope you get to me before I'm, I'm, I'm executed. But if not, listen, and he gives them this final thing. He salutes several people. He gives salutation. He gives greetings to several people who are dear to him in the faith that were living in different places, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And, and so on, Onesiphorus, and Erastus, and, and, and so on. And he talks about them. And I, I just note here in verse number uh, 19 through 21, Paul brings up these different people, and I, I'm reminded of this, that people come and people go. Sometimes for good reasons, sometimes for bad reasons. People come and people go. Sometimes God places them in a different place. Sometimes their health breaks down, like Erastus' health broke down, and he's, he's in Miletus, and he's sick. People come and people go. It's the it's sad reality of life. When we all get to heaven, there's not going to be any more parting over there. Praise the Lord. But people come and people go. And Paul was about to go. And again here, he highlights different people who he salutes and gives greetings. And then he gets right to verse number on 22. And would you notice it again with me? The Lord Jesus Christ. There's the Lord again. The Lord Jesus Christ be with thy spirit, Timothy. The Lord be with you. Timothy, I'm on my way out. But the Lord be with you. I leave you with that thought. I remind you of that. And the Lord himself, Timothy, would be your comfort. My Lord, your comfort. My Lord, your constant. My Lord, the dependable one. The one who's going to be there. And Timothy, I'm asking God to be with your spirit, to be present in your spirit, to bring calm to your heart like he has done for me. What a powerful reminder for Timothy. I'm on my way. I'm on my way to heaven. Timothy, as you continue on, may the Lord be with your spirit. May the Lord encourage you and give you strength. There's no greater comfort, there's no greater source of confidence than the knowledge in the believer's life that the the Savior is always present. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, if you know it, say it with me. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. What is the rod and the staff? It's the, the tool by which the Lord uh, allows us to know as we're walking down the pathway, even in the darkness of night, it allows us to know hey, I'm there. I'm right beside you. Walk this way. Don't go that way. And he's guiding us and it comforts us. And yes, his presence indeed comforts us even in the valley of the shadow of death. And Paul says, Timothy, listen, I want you to know this. At the end of my life, yes, Alexander hurt me, but the Lord, he's the judge. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, there, there's some other struggles in my life. There's no man that stood with me but the lord strengthened me he's there yes i i I stood in front of nero but the lord delivered me and is going to continue to deliver me when he brings me to heaven shores and yes timothy i believe this the lord's going to be your comfort he's going to be your comfort that's for you look at verse number 22 again the lord jesus christ be with what's that next word Thy spirit. You know what that is? English people. What is that? It's singular. See, I don't know what you're asking. It's singular. That's what I'm after. It's, he's just simply with thy spirit. I want you to notice the next phrase. I just want you to notice because other people are going to read this. Grace be with who? Who? You. Here 2,000 years later, as we read this, this letter written to a, pa- a pastor has great impact for all of us today. The Lord is still your comfort. Paul's Lord is still your comfort. He's still the one that can walk with you through your Monday, walk th- with you through that, that trial, walk through you, uh, with you as you fulfill the Lord's will in your life, as you do his bidding. You know, other people might not be with you. Other people might have walked out on you, but the Lord is your comfort. He's with you. He's with you. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 2 and 3. These verses have helped me. And I feel like I constantly come back to them. There's a few verses I feel like I constantly come back onto, but as much as I need to be reminded of them, you probably need to be reminded of them. Hebrews chapter 12, there's a great cod of witnesses. Paul is one of those witnesses. Uh, And so based on their faithfulness to the Lord, The Bible says that we are to lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Your race is not Paul's race. Your race is not my race. My race is not your race. But you need to run your race. And I need to run my race. But the very next uh, words, and sometimes we think, well, how? People have left me. People have hurt me. Yeah? Paul just described that. And where was his focus? The Lord. You are not going to do yourself any good by getting focused on people. People hurt. And that's not fatalistic. that's 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 not being cruel. We all know our propensity, our ability to hurt one another. At some point or another, you're going to be hurt by somebody. But as long as you stay fixated on that person and that hurt, you will never go on for the Lord. You have to give it to him. You have to let him be the judge. And he will take care of it. He will. And so here's what what he says. As you're running your race, if you're going to run your race with patience, what's going to need to happen? Looking unto Jesus. So as you're running your race, looking unto Jesus. Not looking behind, not looking to the side, looking unto Jesus. He's the prize, Philippians says. So looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, he already blazed the trail, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then I want you to notice verse number three, for consider him, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Why was Paul able to come to those final moments of his life and not be wearied and faint in his mind? And it's found right here in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number three, his focus was not on them and all the problems. It was focused on the Lord. And the times that I get down and discouraged in my heart is when I focus on people or problems and not the Lord. And that's the same for you. And that would be the same for Paul. And living color, here's a man, these are literally the last recorded words of the Apostle Paul. And what did he spend these last recorded words giving to us? My focus is on the Lord. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. If you do nothing else else this week, look to Jesus. Look to him. You say, but this person really wronged me. Do exactly what the Apostle Paul did. And maybe you need to even write it down. You need to write down what they, uh, how they wronged you. You need to write it out and get it out of your system. Process through it. Burn the piece of paper and say, the Lord, you can take care of this. I'm delivering this over to you. And maybe it's a person that you, know, you feel like you've been abandoned by, by believers, whether they knew it or not. Simply say, you know what? In all that, even though I feel like I was turned on. The Lord still was in uh, with me in that moment. And he strengthened me and keep going back to the Lord. Get your thinking back to the Lord. I'll close with this and I hope I can tie it in because it's coming to mind. I was in a conference years ago and it, it was not, it was a business conference and there was a, a motivational speaker, but he said something that had enormous spiritual application and, uh, He talked about, you know, obviously, you know, going forward and, um, you know, just being successful. But he talked about this matter of weedy thinking, weedy thinking, uh, where we get so much weedy thinking in our minds, uh, stuff that just drags us down, drains us, pulls us away. And we have to pull those weeds. We have to have a thought process that's right. I think Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 8 talks to us about that right we're to think on that which is good that which is pleasant that which is praiseworthy and so on If there be any virtue if there be any praise think on these things so my mind immediately went there whether he was a believer i i i don't know it was it wasn't something where i could talk to him but he talked about this weedy thinking and sometimes we go through life and we have weedy thinking and we think about well this person or this problem friends we got to pull that we gotta get back focused on the lord None of us are going to do ourselves any good this week by focusing on anything other than the Lord. It doesn't mean that did Paul, did Paul deal with, did he acknowledge that the problem happened? Yes. But immediately he got back over to the Lord. But the Lord. But the Lord. Let's, let's become really good at that. But the Lord. This problem happened. But the Lord. But the Lord. Find the Lord in the problem. Give him praise. And uh, you can worship the Lord like he did too. And to him be glorying uh, forever and ever. Amen. Praise the Lord. You believe that tonight? Let's work on that. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you for Paul's life and his testimony. Please help us. Please help us to be able to put this in, in, uh, into practice in our lives. Lord, you told us in the book of Proverbs that we are to be, we're to hear instruction and be wise. We're to hear instruction and then put it into practice. Lord, it's really easy to hear and not do. So I pray that you would help us to be able to do these things this week. To account, and to recognize that you're our judge, you're our strength, you're our deliverer, and you'll always be our comfort. So we pray these things in the name of Jesus, amen. And let's stand and let's find a place at this altar or at your seat to pray with heads bowed tonight. Let's give this to the Lord. Maybe you need to come and bring a problem to the Lord. And you know what, I'd really encourage you. If you have a problem, I'd really, really, really encourage you to to come in even symbolically lay it down at the altar leave it here with the lord give it over to the lord lord you're the judge of this problem i'm giving it to you you're the judge of this person i'm giving it over to you lord you're the strength of my life I, i'm 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 counting on that so let's let's do business with the lord let's let's not just leave this to ourselves tonight and just uh, you know leave it as something we've heard but let's do business with the lord i invite you to come or kneel there at your seat but let's let's do business with the lord would you I'd encourage you if there is a, is a problem that boy you're just really struggling maybe you've been struggling for a while to, to get past it, it is it's not a problem to seek spiritual counsel and processing through and uh, if, if that's the case please know that we're always open and, and ready to talk um, but the encouragement the help is going to come in the way of let's get to the Lord let's process this towards the Lord let's, let's get to him and he is our comfort, he's our joy, he's our helper. Let's find uh, 531 in our hymnals. The, uh, the chorus of this hymn is, is written from 2 Timothy 1, verse number 12. But I know whom I have believed, I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day and so let's sing this together right after the service there is a snack attack for the teens and uh college uh, folks are welcome to join us uh, as well tonight for some time of fellowship and let's sing this together i know not why god's wondrous grace Now, every voice together here we go
0: i know not why god's wondrous grace to me Number three, I know not how the spirit moves confused.
1: even in that hymn I don't know this but the Lord I don't know this but I believe him I don't know what tomorrow holds but I believe him well we got to stay there friends and thank the Lord for that and uh, let's be busy about the master's business this this week and uh, pay attention to what's in the worship guide for matters of announcement and uh, the teens are going down to the fellowship hall, I believe, for a snack attack, and let's enjoy that. And let's have a concluding word of prayer. Hey, uh, Brother Bunner, Pastor Bunner, uh, Isaac told me I was just to call you up and have you preach tonight, and I heard that he was going to be in the service tonight, but Pastor Bunner pastors over in Indian, uh, Indianapolis area, or over in Indiana, I should say, and uh, because of Isaac being here, we've made connection, I saw him, I guess, last week. At a, at a conference, and was uh, was blessed to see him, and I appreciate his encouragement and uh, his steadfastness for the Lord. But would you close us in prayer tonight?